This is the Empowered Conversations with Aline and Christina podcast. We are two educators of color that have been in the game for over 15 years. Thanks for joining us as we break down and speak on systems that were not built for Black, Indigenous people of color and the ways we address them head on. As we lean on each other in this work, it would be big for us if you took a moment to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Also, follow us on Instagram at Aline and Christina, where we build community and support one another in this work. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Conversations podcast with Aline and Christina, episode 44. I'm Aline, co-host of this podcast. I've been in education for 17 years as a former school counselor and high school assistant principal. I currently coach K-12 school leaders and revolutionizing the K-12 public school system. And I'm Christina, the other co-host of this podcast. This is my 18th year in education. I was a former high school English teacher, former assistant principal, co-principal, and site level admin program specialist. I'm currently a teacher coach at a K-12 school district and a K-12 co-school leader coach with my homie and business partner, Aline right here in the Bay Area. Hey, y'all. So before we get into this episode, let's do our check-in. So Christina, how have you been? Um, I, I've been doing well, thank you. Um, tired. I'm transitioning to um, dropping off my son to his nanny because for the past two months, the nanny has been coming over to my place, Mm -hmm. which is great because in between my remote meetings, I would just go downstairs and hang out with them for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so things have changed and he is now going to um, be staying at the nanny's place during the day. And I was really sad yesterday that was my first day uh, that he was here with the nanny at the nanny's house. And it was just really, uh, it felt lonely. Because wow. um, it's just so, I, it's like I have something to look forward to at the end of each Zoom meeting that I have. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go downstairs. And then now it's like, it's an empty house when, mm-hmm. I, when I go downstairs. So, yeah. But y'all. I'm actually at the nanny's house. (laughs) She just can't stay away. I'm actually recording this at the nanny's house. Um, Because I had, it's an easy, somewhat easy day for me. Um, I'm not going on to any campuses. So I was like, oh, I can do all my remote meetings in her in-law that's not being occupied right now. So I think I already saw my baby three times in between. (laughs) Yes. It takes time. It takes time. I'm one of those parents that I thought I would never be. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, Aline, how about you? You know, I've been all right. I've been all right. Um, We started making plans for the holidays and so it's just kind of a trip that it's so close because 
literally Thanksgiving is next month. I know. Um, I'm not a big Thanksgiving person, to be honest, but my family, uh, extended family is. So just thinking about like getting together and like making those plans and reservations just makes it all so real that it's this year is quickly coming to an end. Um, so yeah, I'm all right because I'm also like looking forward to it. Um, and I'll, are you going to Vegas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have family in Vegas, so I'll be going out there, um, which is exciting. Um, but you know, traveling with the toddler is not the same as traveling on your own. So <laughs> takes a different level of energy for sure. But I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm just going to think about, you know, getting together with family. But um, Christina, in our last episode, we had a great guest. We had Abby Curran. She told us about her educational journey and the decision to run for school board. So if you haven't already listened to it, please go back and check it out. For this episode, we're doing um, a bit of a reflection of my own. I wanted to take some time to process my takeaways from the California Association of School Counselors 2022 annual conference. It usually takes place in Riverside, and this year it was on October 6th and 7th. There were seven core topics being covered, and one core topic was school, school administrators. So it was good to see that, and it was, you know, why I really wanted to be there and to hear what was being discussed. Um, I've said it before, and I will say it again, school leaders should really take a look at their counseling department and evaluate whether or not they are taking into consideration or taking into account the full potential of their school counselors and that department. I noticed um, one of my major like observations is that Southern California is way more ahead of Northern California, specifically the Bay Area, when it comes to compre comprehensive school counseling programs. I'll get into that a little bit more, but that was just like my main thing as like, I'm trying to grab school leaders' attention right now to stay listening, is that it, it's totally in line with, you know, what we want our school leaders to think about. Um, and I was glad I went. It was nice to connect with former colleagues and be inspired by the work being done in other districts throughout California to, to support our students. Because ultimately, that's what we're trying to do is make schools better for our students, specifically our black and brown students. So before I get into my questions, um, I wanted to comment on that, especially since you did a all call to uh, school leaders to take a look at their counseling department and to evaluate whether or not you are using them, I shouldn't say you, utilizing them to mm -hmm. their fullest potential. Um, you know, it's like, from my observation, from my observation and from my past experiences, like the majority of my former colleagues, former school, lead, school leader colleagues, they have a teacher background. Mm -hmm. right I have a teacher background and there's only certain things that we know that counselors do yeah right and so it's like we think that uh, you know or I'm assuming that a lot of us former teachers just think that all they do is talk to kids and like look at grades and sit in SST meetings, you know, but there's actually 
way, way, way more than that. So I, I feel like school leaders, we're not utilizing them to their fullest potential only because we don't know. Yeah, you don't. Like, we don't. We, we yeah. don't know everything that they have to offer. Um, and so, you know, thankfully for me, like, even though I am a former school teacher, one, I had you as a teammate. So, you know, you hella schooled me and trained me. And then two, in a sense, I was an unofficial mm -hmm. counselor for a year and a half. Um, because at my very first school site as an administrator, we did not have a counseling department. That's a long story, but we did not have a counseling department. So the administrators were acting as admin slash counselors. So, I mean, I had to like learn what a, a counselor did and I, and that was a wake up call to me. Cause I was like, Whoa, okay. I see like, and so moving forward, anytime I got a new admin position, I was always asked to be in charge of the counseling department only because I now, because I have knowledge on what they could do and what they should do. Yeah. So, yeah. With you know, that said, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, it's, I, you just hit it right there. It's like not understanding the role and you know, it's hard for school counselors to go into administration, depending on your district. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to, to be in different districts as an administrator and have the background as a counselor, because I was able to really support the counseling department and, and work towards creating comprehensive programs. But there's a lot more than just, you know, the actual school site administrator being supportive. And that's, you know, a, a huge takeaway from the conference as well. So... Eileen, could you tell us about some of the workshops you attended and what did you learn from them? Yeah, so I'm just going to kind of like break it down into the different workshops. So it was two days, full days of workshops. Um, I think you could attend three total each day. And so the first day I did attend three, um, I'll just list the ones that I did and then I'll talk about my takeaways in general. But on the first day, um, I attended one that was called One School District's Journey to Meeting the National School Counselor Ratio of 250 to one and how other districts can do the same. And so the American School Counselor Association, the National Association for School Counselors recommends a ratio of 250 to one. I've never had that in my entire profession, like in my, sorry, my entire career as a counselor, I didn't. And there are, and so I wanted to attend this workshop because I'm like, how did they do it? Like, how did this one district get down to 251 to one? Because that meant that they had to hire more counselors and invest money in that. Um, so I attended that one. The second one I did um, was creating an effective administrator counselor relationship to promote mm. success for all students. And the third one was similar to that, where it, the title was We Are Better Together, School Counselor and Administration Collaboration. Because, it, you know, again, I wanted to hear from the practitioners around their journey and experience with creating that relationship with their administration, um, their admin team, because that isn't always the case. Like you said earlier, there is the lack of understanding about the role of the school counselor. So as far as like my takeaways from that day is that, you know, 
I also had some like investment in this and like interest in it because my dissertation also found this that it was key. The the key is to have strong partnerships with admin in order to make big moves. Like without that partnership, it's really difficult and almost near impossible to in to create a comprehensive program that addresses all tiers. Um, and that really advocates for the role. Um, so that was like from all three of them, that was my key takeaway is just like strong partnerships is important in order to make those move. Um, the first one I mentioned around like the ratios, it was helpful to see that their timeline was a long one. It wasn't something that happened overnight. And so that it does take time. And so with having that strong partnership and that, you know, that alliance, like that, you know, allegiance, whatever you want to call it, like that partnership with that over time, like not giving up, they were able to work towards a 250 to one um, ratio. So like they started off with like 30 something counselors to now like they have over 70 counselors in their district. So it took time. Um, and so it's important to remember that it doesn't happen overnight. Um, Christina, you'll love this, but all of them mentioned that they started with a vision and a mission <laughs> and used data to advocate at all levels for forcible counselors. Wow. Any, like, and this is huge within the national um, or organization as well in the school counseling national model. And this is where, you know, I feel the big discrepancy is between Northern California and Southern California. And y'all could come at me if you want to. I would love to engage in a conversation about this. But they, you know, the presenters were predominantly from Southern California, and they all had a very clear vision and mission and knew how to connect the data towards advocating for what they wanted. And it was clear across the board. And not only did they have like a vision and mission, like they were connecting it to the school's vision and mission, but they had their own school counseling department vision and mission. I was just going to ask that. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to ask you what vision and mission are they working off of? Their own. That they that they created off of the school's vision and mission and connecting mm. it to the districts. So that was like huge, right? This all like a takeaway too was like it just meant that their school admin had to fully understand the role of the counselor to best execute that vision. So again, you know, like they created it, but they also published it. They also spoke to it every single chance they got, and they would meet with their school admin team, principal VP to discuss their vision, mission, the data and the goals for the year. So that it was very transparent. There was no like working in silos, working in the district office and no one, full, I mean, sorry, in their accounting office, not fully understanding what they did. It was on blast. Like there was no question about it. So that was like my, that was just my first day. Okay. <laughs> that was my first day takeaway. Like I'm now, now I wish I went to this. I'm telling, yes, next year we will be presenting. I know. I didn't want to because <laughs> as soon as I just saw counselors, yep. I was like, Ali could go to this one. 
Yeah, that's what happened. Own. <laughs> and to be honest with you, Christina, like I had a few people ask me like, oh, is your business partner here? Like, is your friend here? And I was like, no, she didn't want to come. <laughs> I put you on, <laughs> I put you on blast. Um, and so, okay. So yes, and I, I'm, I'm putting this out there right now. So y'all listeners can hold us accountable, but we will be presenting at next year's cast conference. Like there's got to be a way for us to be able to do that. Um, but anyways, on the second day, I was able to attend two workshops out of the three. I attended one um, from zero to three elementary school counselors in one year, how one district was able to reduce the student to counselor ratio. This was a completely different district than the first day. So they were in a different district in Southern California. And again, they talked about their journey of going from zero school counselors in elementary school to three school counselors at elementary schools. So again, oh, wow. yep. And this is a permanent counselor because, you know, elementary counselors, it's very common for them to be nope. at one place on Monday. Full time at the same school site. Wow. Because I, I mean, that was the biggest thing. Like, you know, a lot of people were like, wait, we don't even have a full time counselor at our elementary school. We share them with other elementaries or we just don't have any period. And that's where like, you know, I think eyes were opening wide to see how this how this school district was able to do that at their elementary school site. Um, and then the second workshop I intended, attended was um, called Culturally Relevant Multi-Tiered Systems of Support for Mental Health. Um, and so again, like what caught me was a culturally relevant piece because y'all have heard this so many times how like PVIS and, and tier like multi-tiered systems is like white supremacy with the hug. And that's like, because we're not really making it culturally relevant and we're trying to create all this feel good stuff, but not really addressing the actual needs of the community for that school system, for that school site. So Another two really amazing workshops, the presenters were super just um, motivational and just like I was really inspired by what they had to offer. Both of them, again, mentioned just a strong admin understanding of the role of a counselor and a strong admin support to make these things happen. Like it wasn't happening without their administrators, um, both at the site level and at the district level. Um, elementary school counselors were always advocating, like they were talking their program up. They were using data so that they knew how to highlight their program. They were talking about it in their neighborhoods, on social media, at parent groups. And with that, parents started demanding more counselors. They, because they were just like, wait a minute, they're talking about how they were able to do this many small groups and do this many events. I want my kid to have this too. I want this many counselors at this school too. And so, you know, when parents start asking for things, admins start perking up because like, oh shoot, right? And so that's what I got. It's like, they were always celebrating and advocating. Um, the counselors like would talk about the work they were doing and their vision of their program wherever they could. Um, and they, you know, they knew they wanted to focus more on tier one programs because they're like, we're too reactionary. We want to be more proactive. Right. So they mapped it out. They're like, we need to put our heads together. How are we going to make this happen and clearly show the school community that if we spend our time doing tier one on these activities, we will see less of this tier two, tier three stuff. Mm -hmm. And we could spend more time here 
and reach more students than that one-on-one -on -one, you know, delivery up at tier three. So that's where I was like, okay, you know, like it takes planning, it takes vision, it takes all of that. And, you know, with all of it, even though it wasn't, you know, specifically the culturally relevant um, workshop, they all talked about how it's so important to be culturally relevant. Um, and especially now when talking about mental health and that the presenters, they shared thoughtful and out of the box resources and practices. And that's what I appreciated about this, this conference is that they were sharing tools, like they weren't trying to keep it for themselves because they knew that it was going to, you know, help other students at different school sites. So I appreciated that. And I also appreciated the fact that they weren't looking at these boxed curriculum, they were thinking like, if you have a box curriculum, how can you tailor it to be more culturally responsive, responsive? And so they talked about examples. I just, I mean, that's just like key takeaways, but you should see the notes I was taking. I mean, real talk. I wish I went. <laughs> I mean, if I only, I should have asked you what uh, workshops you were going to, because already the creating an effective admin counselor relationship and we work better together, school counselor and admin collaboration. I mean, that's that's me right there. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what I am just so hooked on is the piece about how the counselors use the vision and mission to use data to advocate mm -hmm. for more counselors at their school. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, that's a perfect example. And this is what we talked about in, I, in, I want to say episode 40 or 41 about the importance of the vision and mission yeah. and how you use the vision and mission as a tool mm -hmm. to get what you want. And it's like anything that you advocate for, whether you're the counseling department, math department, English department, a pro, um, like some type of program, the, you're a director of an academy. It's like, if you want something, if you, if you want additional funding, if you want uh, um, additional staff, you gotta you you gotta refer back to the vision and mission statement and say like, this is why it's necessary. Mm -hmm. This and is I, how it supports the vision and mission. Yeah. Here is the data. The reason why I'm asking for two, my, uh, two more FTE, 2.0 FTEs, and then my own counselor for this academy, mm -hmm. because here is the data. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here's the data. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, that's what like, really stood out to me was just how they were using data and they also like and they were they were they were creating partnerships like one the, the elementary school district or the elementary school presenters um they were they they partnered up with IT to discuss ways that they could make their student information system more counselor friendly so that when they were logging, it would be pulling the data they needed. So they were trying to be more efficient. Like they were like this, we know we need to use data. We all got so much to do. We can't be doing this like, like long way of collecting data. 
So let me let me pick the you know pick the brain of the IT department and see how we could work together to make this work. And they did. Like already have set queries. You feel me? Yeah. Like you could save it. You could save queries on Synergy or Aries and just be like, all right, cool. Like this is the set of data we're going to focus on because we know we got a hundred to choose from. But let's just focus it on these three. And like IT hook it up with a saved with with a saved query. I mean, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. No, I mean, that's where like they were really understanding their role and saying like, look, I need data, but I'm not the, I'm not the like um, data person or the data department, but there is IT. So let me see how we could work together so I could still do my job, but use the data to drive the work. So I just, yeah, it was, it was pretty freaking awesome. Wow. Just don't get me started on that. <laughs> I'm just really passionate about the whole vision and mission mm -hmm. because I, you know, that's like the number one thing mm -hmm. that Alina and I talk about with our, with our mentees. Yeah. You know, it's like, the question is, is like, you know, what, there's so many things that we need to st strengthen or develop. Um, we're not sure where to start. And it's just like, well, you start with your vision, mission, and goals. Once you have that down, it will help you narrow your focus. It will help you with your priorities. Yep. But if you don't have that, because that, that is your common, I mean, that that is the umbrella of your school. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I don't want to get too much into that. Just listen to episode 40, I think, I believe, for, of, of the vision and mission. Um, but... Aline, what else stood out to you about this conference? Yeah, so, oh my God, just the number of school counselors that were there. Because <laughs> like the number of school counselors that were there just was like, that stood out to me. Because I, I think like sometimes we forget that there's, and there's not even that many in, in California compared to other states. Um, but yeah, just the number of counselors, the number of admin that were there. All right, I'm going next year. <laughs> it just it like it just made me so happy to see that because you know I've been in this in the in this game for way too long. I don't know, way too long, but I've been in this game for over 15 years, and I, I've been to some of the cast conference in the very beginning stages of my career, and this it was different night and day from then to now. And there were no admin there. Um, and so now to see the number of administrators and that the, there was a core topic around school administration, that shows again, like the, the vision for task around moving California into this direction of having comprehensive school counseling programs. Um, one of our keynote speakers was Dina Simmons. Um, if you all don't already follow her or know her, you should. Um, she works more in the DEI space um, and she was most, you know, she was kind of, I mean, she was known before this, but she made the news because she um, quit the uh, professorship of, uh, position at Yale um, due to its, um, its racism, right? Mm -hmm. And to its, um, to the experiences that she had as a mixed woman, as me, black and white. 
Um, and so just her keynote was just timely and super motivational and real. Um, she talked about equity and storytelling as a tool. And the connection that I want to make to that storytelling piece is especially as counselors, like the need to listen to our students more, but also how it does tie into mission and vision, because that tells a story about what you as a as a department or as a leadership team want to see at your school site. Um, so she talked about the power of storytelling, something that she said that I just want to say on here because I just been thinking so much about it since then is that we often we pathologize the individual, but we don't pathologize the system. And I think that's something that you and I have been working towards, like with this podcast and with the work that we do with school leaders and even on social media, is that we're quick to say that it's this student or it's this teacher or it's this curriculum or it's this district, but we don't pathologize and look at the system as a whole, that this system was created specifically to keep certain communities down and that we know that more with like, you know, this built, the system was built on white supremacy. And so that understanding that we need to pathologize the system and interrogate the system more, instead of like looking at like, how, how do we treat this child more? So how do we create an environment that's going to support this child? Um, and so that was huge, especially sitting in a room full of counselors where we often spend a lot of time doing one-on-one -on -one with our students. Um, and that there is a tension be between equity and efficiency, but at what cost? And that was huge where it's like, and we see this, and I think I've been seeing this more so, especially like as we move away from the social you know, unrest and like the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. It's like, now it's like, well, it's easier and it's more efficient to not do the deep dive into what it means to be equitable. And let's just kind of like surface, say we're doing it and check the box that everybody received the same workshop. You know, let's not dig deeper because it's more efficient to just say we've done this or like we've covered our bases. But again, we have to ask ourselves at what cost? We're not actually doing the work at that point. Um, and then there were some policy updates that I feel is important to share here, that FAFSA, the, the free uh, application for federal student aid, is being required by high, all high school seniors in California. There is an opt-out procedure, but that it is expected. And so I'm saying this for our school leaders because we need to work with our school counselors around the system of making sure that we're addressing this and that we're tracking the students who complete their FAFSA and working towards 100% completion since it's going to be a requirement. And then um, the other policy update was around, again, we've talked about this in one of our episodes way back around ethnic studies being a course that's required um, of our California graduates and, um, or sorry, our California high school students and really connecting it to the role of the school counselor because you know, especially at the high school level, we're talking about picking courses and talking about, um, you know, graduation requirements. And so understanding what ethnic studies courses are about and why they have to take it. So those were those are some big things. I, I do have to ask you about the ethnic studies course. So um, first of all, I, I hope I'm not going off topic. <laughs> what graduation requirement is this going to fall under? like under ele elective? No, no, like, you know how um, 
some districts have like a CTE requirement. Yeah. And some don't like this is going to be like ethnic studies. Like if there's like its own column, its own. Yeah. So it's going to be like A through H. No, no, no. It's not for college. Remember? So it's just for high school graduation. Oh, 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 okay. 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 But some schools like I am, I don't even want to, some schools are, you know, the ethnic studies course could go for A through G approval. And then that could fall depending on how the school wants to label it or how they submit the course could fall under social science or it could fall under elective. But for California purposes, it's going to be a graduation requirement, not an A through G requirement. Um, but again, it could be approved. It could be submitted for A through G approval. Okay. And then I'm just curious, like, what did they say, uh, what the, where the, what the role of the school counselor is in regards to the ethnic studies course? Well, first is to understand what the course is. Okay. And then two is to understand that it's going to be a graduation requirement sure. so that they can update all of their kind of presentations, all of their websites, like all of their forms. Cause you know, a lot of us use like A through G and graduation requirement trackers. Mm -hmm. And so at that point for that, I think it's class of 2026 or something like that, or I could, I, I know it goes into effect 2026, I believe. Um, and so depending on that first class, then, you know, updating those forms so that ethnic studies is included as a requirement because it there's going to be a, a kind of a, a time, a four-year period or time period where some students aren't going to be required to take it and some are. And so you have to make sure that your forms are updated and that it's clearly communicated. So that's why um, they okay. wanted to talk about it with school counselors. And there was, I'm going to actually, I'm sure Rebecca will be fine with this. Um, she's going to be our one of our guests upcoming and she played a huge role in a lot of these presentations I um, attended and she's amazing. Um, but their district created a, um, a video about what ethnic studies is. Oh, okay. And so that might be something that, you know, would be helpful for our listeners too. So I'll just make sure I can link it into our show notes. So with that said, what do you think our school leader listeners need mm -hmm. to take away from this podcast? Because a lot of stuff was shared. So what do you want them to at least walk away with? Yeah, a few things. Um, just from the very start at the beginning of this conversation, like the main thing is that school leaders really need to understand the role of the school counselor and work in partnership with them. Like understand the role and what their role isn't because I know that there are still to this day counselors doing things that they're not technically supposed to be doing if we are working towards like if we're working under the roles defined by this, the National Association. Um, and so there's that like to fully understand what the role is ask your counselors, um, not only on what is going on in their department, but to advocate for the profession at the district level. So it's one thing to really like rally around them at their, your school site and make this amazing program, but they have colleagues and you have to like, you know, share that at the district level so that it continues to be advocated beyond the school site. Um, ratios is a big one. So again, I want the school leaders to ask themselves, do they even know what the ratio is right now for their school counselors? And not just the VP or the AP that's over counseling. Like mm -hmm. the whole admin team should understand what their ratio, what their school counselors ratio is. My lowest 
And this was at the very beginning when there was money for counselors. My lowest was 350 to one. Mm -hmm. My most recent was five something um, to one. So just like knowing mm -hmm. what the ratio is, is huge. Because like that can, that can give you some insight into what's happening or what can actually happen in a counseling department based on the number of students that they're expected to serve. And I feel, uh, can I say something about that? Yeah. I, I feel like for them to see, like, I, I feel like for the most part, admin knows what the ratio is. I but would hope so. I, I'm, okay, I would hope so. <laughs> but the, the question is, do, do they truly understand why, right? Oh, mm -hmm. Do they truly understand why which leads to, do they fully understand what they're supposed to execute at the end of first semester, at the end of second semester? Because I feel like because of that lack of knowledge and maybe their lack of, ex their, their experience of not being a counselor, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, they can do more than 250. Because all they do is talk to the kids and master schedules done and the programming is done. <laughs> so I just feel like they need a firm. It goes back to what you said. They really need to understand the role of the school counselor. Yep. That way, that ratio number is like a duh. Of course, you guys um, should be 250 to one. Well, and also like with it, in addition to asking school leaders to make sure they know the ratio, I also want them to take um, inventory, if you want to say, of their like leadership meetings um, or their leadership teams, I should say, their ILT, their, you know, faculty council, like any of those leadership team meetings and make sure that there is at least one counselor represented on all of those teams. Mm. Mm -hmm. do they have like a, a you know a tier one a tier like tiered systems of support committee make sure there's a counselor there and that's why I'm because when you fully understand their role you'll understand yeah. that it's not just direct services one-on-one -on -one, that there is a lot more that they can be a part of and be influencing to really make so many amazing changes at a school to support students um and that, with that said, sorry, this is me advocating for the counselors too, is that at my last two schools, they asked me why I'm giving counselors a prep period. Oh gosh, yeah, that's a hot topic. And I'm like, because like they gotta, just like for any of us, we gotta prep for a meeting. Like I really hope like the expectation of them when they meet with a student, like, I hope there's a protocol. Like, yes, of course, ask how they're doing, but like, I want them to go onto Aries and Synergy and pull up their uh, their graduation profile, read it beforehand, you know what I'm saying? That way you could already start constructing questions, and, you know, and a possibility, a plan, like, but, that doesn't mean like, oh, shoot, they got a prep period. And what's the what's the first thing admin thinks of when they got a prep period? They get sub. They get sub. 
No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. and I'm no lie. I ain't gonna lie to you. I ain't gonna lie. I, I sure did pull uh, counselors for subbing. I guarantee you, they were always at the bottom of my bottom, 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 bottom list. Like, it well, was I'm not going to lie either. I mean, when I was an admin and even having the school counselor background, I would, I would use them as test proctors. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep saying use them, but I would assign them to test proctors. <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way. I would assign them to be test proctors. That's what I said. I said, utilize. I, I said, use. Yeah. Them. Oh, no and yeah. we have to yeah I mean words matter and that's important and that shows like just again like our value toward like how our position as admin had valued or not valued counselors and you know I I quickly learned from that and we we you know we tried our best to work around it um but you know there also has to be an understanding and a trade-off and so figuring out like how do we then advocate for hiring test proctors versus using our counselors because that's not a, a fair use of their time. Um, but the last thing I would say as far as like what I want our school leaders to take away from this is that I would, um, I want to encourage them to make it possible for school counselors to attend PDs like this mm. one. Because, you know, there were uh, only a handful of counselors from the Bay Area represented at this conference and you know the few that and I get it some counselors don't want to go because they think it's too much time away from their campus and that's another conversation for a different day but if their school leaders would encourage them and make the space for them to be able to attend conferences like this as their form of professional development because unfortunately we know that so many districts don't tailor their professional development to counselors and make it primarily about teachers. So this is a good opportunity for them to get very specific PD on their profession and the practices that other counselors are using that are effective. So I would say that um, because they can learn, they can learn so much from their peers. It's just a lot. Um, it sometimes could feel overwhelming. And it also inspires the counselors to bring new things back to their school sites. I mean, if we're talking about getting out of the status quo, it's because we need to really listen in and be inspired by new things and the way other people are doing it. Release that ego and know that we need to learn from others and not, you know, be the ones that are like holding it to ourselves um, or doing it just ourselves. So that's like the main thing I would say. Um, and I look forward to next year to us being presenters. Yes, I look forward to attending and being a <laughs> presenter. <laughs> All right. That's my that's my take on on the CASC um, conference. So I appreciate that I was able to be there and that I had your support as well, Christina, to be there. Um, and and yeah, hopefully this was helpful for our school leaders listening in. But before we go, let's do our quick self-care check-in because that was also a theme of the conference around like, you know, taking care of ourselves because we cannot serve on an empty cup. And that's, that's real, but it's freaking yeah. hard. I know. Hard to address. So Christina, anything that you want to add this week about what you've done for some self-care or? Not really. Well, okay. Maybe a First of all, yes, I, 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 if you've been looking at our app that we share, I, I know I have not been hitting 10,000 steps, but oh, yeah, 
the thing is, I don't want it to look like I haven't been doing anything. Um, I just forget to log it in separately. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought this thing called a maxi climber Mm -hmm. and just doing 10, 15 minutes on that thing is, I mean, the way that I'm sweating is like equivalent to me jogging on a treadmill for 30 minutes. So y'all got to check out the maxi climber. Um, So there's that piece. And then secondly, um, I I mentioned this before, but I I was really into reading uh, for pleasure. And then I stopped after I had a baby and then I restarted again. And before it was kind of, I had to kind of schedule it in just to get myself back in the habit. Well, now I no longer put it in my, um, in my planner. I just read now on my Mm. own and um, I restarted one of our book clubs and um, it's called town bound book club. Get it. Okay. Well, yeah, that's cute. I cute it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the listeners who are not from Oakland, we like to call our city, the town. Mm-hmm. but then there's also that expression like town bound mm-hmm. but then um the pun is is bound is like a book book binding mm-hmm. cute so, yes. so it's like the town bound book club plus I don't know why there's beeping right now I don't know if you could hear that but um also when we, when I first started the book club, I called it the Toro book club. The Toro was the mascot for my junior high school. And Mm. so with that, it made it very exclusive Mm. to only people who went to Montero junior high in Oakland. But now that it's town bound, it's still exclusive for only Oakland natives, but it's open to To people that didn't go to Montero like me. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, Christina, your self-care is connected to my self-care because I also started reading for pleasure. And I've just noticed that it creates my mood because it's like, I just love like reading amazing writers convey a story that just either connects you to their life experiences or transports you to a totally different world outside of your own that like helps you just escape a little bit. And so I've just, I'm really proud of myself. Since the last time I've already read two books and one of them was 400 pages. Okay, what book is that? Solito. You got to read that one. Javier Zamora. I mean, I'm telling you, I couldn't put it down. And like, I, I posted on my, on my Instagram, like me crying when I finished because it was just gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, but beautifully written where I'm like, oh my God, I just, I could cry thinking about it. So yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at with it too. So I, well, I'm a cop that because I'm on Piedmont Avenue right now. So I'm about yep. to go to the bookstore. Oh my God, do it, do it. But, um, through. All right, well, with that, we're going to end this episode. Yes, yes. We'll see y'all later. <laughs>
We hope you enjoy this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Alina Cristina. Check out our content and engage in a conversation with us through the comments or DMs. Also, please help us grow and share this with your friends, colleagues, as well as post on your social media. We look forward to next time. Take it easy.